Hello. Welcome to the OMR podcast. We have um, produced a new English podcast that we were um, able to record with Bob Greenberg. Bob Greenberg is an advertising legend. He's the founder of RGA, um, one of the most exciting advertising and digital creation companies in the world, maybe. Um, and he spoke to Michael Trautmann. Michael Trautmann um, is a leading figure of the German marketing industry. He founded one of the largest German advertising agencies. Um, it's been around the industry for many years, been um, advertising director at Audi, the car maker, um, and he's a longtime friend of OMR. Um, so listen to Bob and Michael, Michael, discuss what's happening in marketing these days. Enjoy. Bob, I'm very happy to have you here. Maybe we start with your story. How did you become an entrepreneur? What was your story? An entrepreneur? Um, my, um, uh, I'm extremely dyslexic. If you hear my speech today, you'll, you'll see that. Um, I have a, a really uh, complicated version. No, no two versions are similar. Uh, somebody like Richard Branson is as well. Uh, Charles Schwab. These are famous uh, Jobs, Steve Jobs. And I didn't know that I had that problem. I just thought it was not that smart. And um, I learned that I, I, I had that issue at 35. But before that, I actually became successful in a roundabout way because my uncle gave me an opportunity and he was an entrepreneur. And he um, created home improvement wall decor that he sold to Royal Crown Cola, which is the third largest bottler in the U.S. after Pepsi, Coke, Pepsi, Royal Crown. And um, I found that everything that I started doing, not knowing I was good at anything, um, uh, uh, in the manufacturing process, whether it's uh, the plant or office, or sales, um, I, I wound up being very good at that. <clears throat> and when the handheld computer came out, I also realized, which I didn't know, that I'm very good at math. So I had been a person that had never tested well because I only could finish half the test. And I got an opportunity through my uncle and built a factory in Canada Uh, through the sales that I developed, and then I was the vice president and, and general manager of it. So when I went to New York after that and teamed up with my brother in 1977, I had already understood uh, uh, mid-sized manufacturing. I even, when we went into the visual effects business, convinced the city of New York that we were manufacturing images <laughs> and we got a tax break. And we started and it wasn't long before I developed um, you know, a company that uh, was competitive with uh, George Lucas's company mm -hmm. um, as well as James Cameron and um, doing uh, and, and working on developing um, many aspects of the visual effects uh, production, post-production process, and I became the first one to integrate it all. And that's been a fascination of mine since those early days. Um, 
of tying together processes and technology um, in order to get a better creative result. And uh, from there, I developed uh, the current model for RGA. And what I learned is that RGA has somehow cycles or had in the past cycles of eight, nine years where mm -hmm. you really disrupted yourself several times. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you explain the, the different phases your company went through. Uh, well, the first one, um, uh, I'll see if I can get the nine-year cycle right, um, from 77 to um, uh, 86 was really... Um, around computer-assisted filmmaking, which I was talking about earlier, uh, adding computers to the process and integrating it all. The second one was really putting together three separate industries, um, film, video, computer graphics. Each one had a separate um, convention. Film was SMPTE, Society of Motion Picture Television Engineers, a version like this, but smaller for motion pictures. Uh, we're at an event today in um, uh, Cologne. Um, the second uh, group was um, uh, television, which um, uh, that was NAB, the National Association of Broadcasters. And that, that really put together a... Um, Uh, uh, a second, it's really two entirely different businesses. And the third was computer graphics, which was SIGGRAPH. And by putting those three things together, of which we were the first ones to do, um, it really pushed us ahead of our competition. And that was the second nine-year increment. From uh, 94, um, or 95 rather, 2003, uh, I worked a lot with Jim Clark. He's a famous entrepreneur um, who uh, developed a computer company called Silicon Graphics, was, which was the computer used by all the special effects companies. Um, and he was afraid that they were going to get disrupted by the um, PC and the Mac. And I went to visit him, and he always used the uh, F word. So he <laughs> said, what the fuck are you here for? And I actually couldn't remember. But what I had called him about was to talk about interactive advertising. It's 1993. So it's before the Internet really uh, came out. So he talked to me about somebody um, who... Uh, um, he uh, was going to do a new project with, and uh, it was a company called Mosaic, which eventually became Netscape. Mm -hmm. So when I saw that, I went back, sold my company of about 200 people to True North Communications, who was a holding company uh, around FCB and other companies like Springer. Yeah, it was the time when we met first. That's where yeah. we first met. And... Um, Uh, it was uh, a very, very interesting uh, period of time because uh, just like Sasha, I knew the founders of Razorfish. They came, Craig came from MIT Media Lab where I was also speaking. So, you know, it's a whole world that was happening then. And I left visual effects, which um, in my speech today, I'll talk about how almost no one came with me. Mm -hmm. They, we were working with IMAX level 
uh, the highest level of imaging in the world with VistaVision. On uh, my last feature I worked on was Mission Impossible. The last commercial was a Jordan commercial with Wine and Kennedy. We were at the height of the whole thing when I moved on. So I'm not afraid to take big chances, which I think agencies, companies, um, startups uh, even are becoming too conservative for what I think. So anyway, I um, developed um, an interactive agency. And then after that period of time, which ended in 2003, we really, from 2004 to 2012, created a model which was based on um, what we consider an agency for the digital age. So that was putting together all the parts and pieces of what we think today we have the most advanced agency model in the world. There's, we, I used to not like to brag, which I hope I'm still not, because I never actually knew how different our model was until we got it fully implemented, which happened back then. And that was a reaction to Leo Burnett, DDB, and Ogilvy in 93 when I looked at it. Uh, in the Mad Men years, the model they created was based on a competitive model. Yeah. Um, and what I did when I opened in 95 was the first collaborative model. Mm -hmm. So this collaborative model has become the DNA of RGA because the most uh, innovative, uh, creative model in the world right now is the feature film business mm -hmm. and the new TV series and all that because it's collaborative. As opposed to, and not suggesting that there was the wrong model, where um, an agency that's based in New York will not collaborate with London Sapalo or, or Mumbai. So our model was different. We built it out during that period of time. In 2013, I looked at functional integration. And that's a term that we came up with, with when we looked at horizontal integration like Coca-Cola, vertical integration from the ground up like ExxonMobil to an oil can at Walmart. And then we looked at um, the the, where functional integration would be the new integration, where the customers in the center, surrounded by products and services, the, the model of Apple, Amazon, Google, and Nike, etc. So we started building that out. And after, after that, uh, we came up with... Uh, um, RGA for the connected age. And it wasn't but a couple years when everything was connected. So we moved off to um, connected by design, which is a much broader way of talking about what we're doing now. And now we're looking at, because it was my opinion, um, and I think I'm accurate, I'm usually very accurate of pinpointing through pattern recognition what's going to happen in the future. And now um, I'm fascinated with the agency business and not being able to pinpoint when the deconstruction would start of the agencies who have not uh, made an effort to take risks, particularly in the digital landscape, 
and are now being deconstructed. And I think the year that I chose was June of uh, 2016. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's accurate. And what we're starting to see now is the deconstruction of the traditional agency model created by the impact of technology over time um, and the whole digital landscape, which is the internet, mobile, and social media having its impact. And not just that, but the movement of the consultancies into the advertising, marketing, communication space is really going to have a major impact as well because they're three times the size or so of the holding companies. Yeah. Companies like Accenture? So yes, so big. Deloitte, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, McKinsey. Mm -hmm. And what we looked at in each one of the things I'll lay out now in the presentation I'm going to give is the start of... Um, uh, of what we're, we're doing, which is really startups, the venture business, and um, how, that, how we created an interesting model. It started when we were working with Nike, um, and we got introduced to Techstars. And then we did a, 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 an integration of what we had at RGA, which is unique, and the Techstars model, and we put it together so now we also have creative capital, which is a interesting new piece. And we've created a, a way in which we can uh, bring the capabilities of RGA to the venture space. Uh, this year alone, we'll be invested in approximately 50 companies almost all uh, Series A and Series B companies. People don't know that about RGA. We, I know um, this. Oh, you know. And the companies are really interesting. We come up with an idea um, like uh, a new um, uh, innovative part of content creation, and then we uh, bring in partners, and then also the major company, which in this case is Snap. And mm -hmm. that uh, demo day will happen at Advertising Week in a few weeks. Is this your your typical way when you when you start to in, um, into the venture business that you have a an industry partner like Snap or another company that you you build this? Like Verizon is our yeah. newest one. Mm -hmm. yeah. But not the Verizon we're working with mm -hmm. in the agency, but the Verizon technology yeah. group um, that we're working with. We develop, uh, we get, when we go out with an idea, we get about 700 to 1,500 applications now, of which we choose 10 companies, and we take them to a demo day. But we have follow-on business with them, and we're now bringing those companies into our clients and sometimes our pitches. So you can see how it's all integrated. Mm -hmm. So that's the beginning piece, Ventures, um, Venture Studio. And then we started to move into the consulting space. And as the consultants are moving into marketing services, we're moving into consultants, consultancy um, structure. But we're way too small at um, our size, with uh, soon to be 19, now 17 offices, um, to make any impact really 
on the consulting business, except we can disrupt them. <laughs> so we have a disruptive model. Um, we have amazing clients um, that we've uh, brought into the consultancy. One of them, um, the I'll, I'll do it off the record in case, but we could check. Um, Campbell Soup didn't even know, the CEO of Campbell Soup didn't know that we had an agency. So that's how uniquely mm -hmm. different it is. So as we start, and we're working with Walmart as an example, which has been publicized, uh, Jet and um, so forth. But as we do this, we're not leaving our results at PowerPoint. We're actually implementing that. That's so it's a very yeah. different model from that perspective. Um, I mean, some people in our industry are discussing uh, a trend, what they call decoupling. They say some agencies of the future will just be there for the ideas, others will be there for the production. What I learned from you is that you have a very integrated model. You, do, you don't let others execute the, the things you're no, you working can't, on. Um, I was talking about that in my earlier um, interview, that it's the opposite of what they... Decoupling is um, actually uh, the wrong model, my opinion. Yeah. Um, because it is uh, actually trying to keep alive perhaps the metaphorical television commercial that's uh, slowly not finding a place in the media mix and uh, trying to say that a writer or art director could come up with an idea that could uh, be decoupled and somebody else could take that and take it in and, and actually implement it into the digital landscape. And that person could have a spin-off that comes into the consulting world that then ties into physical space and shopping. I don't see that. Mm -hmm. I see it as one integrated model that uh, you really have to have the people And that brings up our RGA network and RGA OS mm -hmm. because we have one of the most networked, integrated, uh, collaborative organizations in the world. Just happens to be around marketing, communications, design, uh, consulting, uh, physical space, architecture, etc. But it is the... Um, complexity of doing it on a global basis, like for instance, um, the Publicis announcement is the right thing for them to do, but not the right way to do it because we have a Marcel-like structure in place fully operational now. And they are missing a really critical part of what we just were talking about, and that's the collaborative infrastructure. Because how do you put a platform over a non-collaborative 80,000 people and expect with a single P&L or something for it to all work? But we wish them a lot of luck doing that, but we have it fully implemented. Yeah. You mentioned the complexity, and, and uh, for me as a as someone who runs an agency with 400 people, which is smaller than yours, 
I already have problems to, to manage the complexity and uh, we're very collaborative as well. We have some joint ventures with, with partners who can do things that we can't do. But how do you, what is your management or leadership philosophy? How, how can you manage this complex universe? The, um, the, the, well, first of all, it's very good to be like myself where many of our executives are similar where we don't know what we can't do. And so we, we do it. We've created a tool which is called Reporter, which is another part of what we're doing, which is the intellectual property piece. And we're going to be distributing this to agencies. But we've been working on it for 14, 15 years. It's um, PwC compliant. It's GAP certified, it's SAP compliant, wow. and we manage everything through this system. And that's part of it because we're using technology to, I mean, the reports, the data, the information, the way of managing it, we could put together a team that would largely be diverse and uh, it could be throughout the world and and nobody's measuring diversity that way. If you can see how that wow. could work with the way that we work. And, and does this system include your clients? So, so they have, yes. yeah. But it, it's, the system is much more advantageous when we're working with a global client. So we have quite a few. Some of them, off the record for a moment, or maybe, uh, they're, they don't operate in the same global way, uh, for instance, Google or Nike don't, but uh, as, uh, for instance, Siemens would. But these global clients now, we could um, save a lot of money and do much better work with a systematic way to, uh, Samsung's a good example, <clears throat> working with global clients in many locations, um, uh, many of which we actually have offices now and soon to have more. Mm -hmm. Very fascinating. But let's let's switch switch over to, to your product, to, yeah. to your campaigns, to the work you, you produce. Do you have examples for us of um, what are you proud of? What what is the, the the work where you say, well, this is breathtaking, this really changed something? Um, I think the three things that I'm showing today, one um, is for Nike. It's a one-to-one -one, um, digital experience for somebody that ties into their network, which then gets tied to membership, which then gets tied to Nike Plus, which we started that now has um, a huge number, maybe 40 million subscribers, that then ties to the advertising, marketing, communications, in a way in which this was never possible before. Another one is a more storytelling campaign, which is for ad console, where it's, it's different because the way it was constructed, as opposed to a traditional model, um, is that we still have the writer art director, but it's influenced by the internet, mobile, and social going to the uh, storytelling mm -hmm. as opposed to the opposite way. 
And that's very important because when you create a campaign that way, it get, we're able to get hundreds of millions of people involved because it's social first. Um, and another one, what's the third one I'm showing um, today? Those are two. Uh, autonomous broadcast. Are you, you're not hooked up. Um, I'm not good at explaining it exactly, but it's a new version of our startup venture, uh, venture structure where with the LA Dodgers and Guggenheim Partners, we created, we're working on, I think it's been announced we're doing a third um, uh, st uh, startup accelerator with them, except it's not startup, it's uh, a series A and B mm -hmm. um, with uh, LA Dodgers, Guggenheim Partners. In this case, we put together three companies that never knew each other, and they're part of our accelerator program uh, to create an autonomous broadcast network. So with almost no people, um, but a, um, uh, a ball that uh, records the data, shoes that record the data, a couple of um, um, cameras, we can create a whole systematic way to get all the data around, let's say, a basketball game broadcast it, and then distribute it by Fox. So it was put together that way. In a startup structure, three separate companies, never heard of each other before, integrated for that purpose. Wow. That's a new model, too. Yeah, that's so much more than advertising. It's yeah. really it's really. It's moving. We, yeah. we, we, we had to do that because I saw the deconstruction. Yeah. And... The de deconstruction is happening largely because if you look at the top of the whole budget bar of everything, so much of it goes to the tech companies like Google and Facebook now. It comes down to the agencies and the, and the, 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 the budget for doing metaphorical television is now shrinking. Yeah. And uh, I could see that way before when I saw the production business and special effects being deconstructed by the PC and Mac. Um, and what I saw was not just uh, what Jim Clark told me about what he was going to do with Mosaic, but he was also bringing in Mark Andreessen. So I said, well, I know Mark. He said, you don't know Mark. I said, no, I do, I do. And it's because my brother went to the University of Illinois and was working at the supercomputer lab. And that's where Mark was. And that's how Netcape set. And now Mark just uh, does all sorts of things in Silicon Valley. Yeah. So it's all connected in a, yeah. in a way. So you mentioned um, Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, the, the four bigs. We, we, even we call them GAFA. Do you call them GAFA as well? The, 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 the four big, Google, Amazon, Facebook, and uh, Apple? So we no. Use, no, we use the phrase Do we ever in use that phrase? GAFA? GAFA. GAFA. Yeah, we, we call them GAFA. Um, so the four big companies, what, what do you think, how, I mean, they influence, the, the whole world was watching the, the Apple 10 yeah. thing yesterday. I think I bought, um, well, I just got the Note 8. I went to their opening. I'll get the new uh, Apple iPhone as well. But um, it's just, it's, it's, it's the impact of technology 
on personal communications that's really a part of this change. Yeah. So I'll give you an example where somebody, I have to just think about it, said that, um, oh, I know, it's in the, in the context of a museum that they couldn't use uh, this new art app that we're creating because um, they don't want to have in the museum iPhones and Android phones because it would disrupt from the um, experience. And I said, well, why don't you go to the Museum of Modern Art on a Saturday afternoon and tell me exactly how you're going to control that? Because everybody that I know is using their iPhone and their Samsung phone in context of the museum, and you're standing right next to a guard, and you can take a photograph as long as you don't use the, the flash. Our part of it is that those images go nowhere. So how do you tie it into database, which we didn't talk about, but data is, of course, the new currency, and, and that's also important. Yeah, I mean, data is, is, is the currency of which is driving this for big companies. Yeah. What, and they influence our daily life. But what do you think the, will the future bring with this for big companies? Will there be another, do you see a rising star which could, could uh, meet this club of four? Or, or do you think we will have to, to, to see them as the four? Well, the one, one that we're working with that I can't go into detail, but I would not ever write off Samsung for anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, to think that you could, in any area, from what I've seen, um, it's just they're a brilliant company. They're founded in the core principles around design, not unlike Apple. They approach things differently. And, um, you know, I think another one would be uh, Tesla. Mm -hmm. I don't know of anybody uh, that's similar where you could get, not that I, I will explain this right, a rocket ship to take off, go and offload something at the space landing, um, uh, whatever it's called, the, the big thing, mm -hmm. come back, uh, what, space station, mm -hmm. come back and land uh, in a reusable way uh, sitting in the right position. Yeah. Somebody has to tell me why... Um, that company shouldn't be thought of in the mix because, you know, it's not just that they launched the Tesla, Tesla, but the fact that it got a perfect 10 in consumer reports, how do you do that? Somebody's got to tell me how you do that. So, you know, Germany, where we are, is very big on cars. Yeah, we will have a major challenge with this, and I, yeah. I, I think that... And that, that that's not been... Elon Musk has not been thought of as the uh, Steve Jobs, but I think the interesting thing currently is I think Bezos is being thought of as uh, overshadowing um, Jobs with all the things he's doing. So you and think he will? I think yeah. he's already done that. You, yeah. My opinion. Okay. I love Jobs and everything that he represented, but I think he's already gone past. You know, they do have Amazon Studios as well, which is, you know, much bigger than Pixar, yeah. as yeah. an example. Ah, interesting. Um, what do you think, what, what can we as, as agencies learn from all this? You say it's already, we're already dis dis 
destructing agencies, but what, what can we do better? What, what do you think will be the recipe to survive? I think that, that what agencies generally do the best, and maybe nobody's put it in this context, is taking um, something that's extremely complicated and creating communications that are um, taking advantage of amazing reductionist thinking. And that's why, if you think about it, a movie is the same as a commercial, and why I've always been connected to commercial directors that have become major feature film and television directors, because it really is the same thing. Mm. But that's what they really want to do. But what they should be thinking about is how to take the, the most complicated things and in communications, um, simplify them to be uh, uh, the, the, the most uh, simple uh, core idea and bringing that forward in a communications, but not with television only, but the, all the um, parts of the distribution channels. Thank you so much. This is something yeah. <laughs> I can learn from. You, you, you talked about data, and I think we, we should maybe put a focus on this as well. So data changed our industry over the last year, but I think it will change the way we are working even, even more. So I've, I've learned from, from one industry colleague from Gary Vaynerchuk. He said his biggest challenge is to, to make his his team brain, so his data guys, to work with his team heart, which are the creatives. So what, what do you believe will, will data, how will data influence our work in the future? What I found, um, uh, without going into confidentiality, is a lot of the companies are not working with the right data. So segmenting the data to make it the appropriate data for some application or uh, a platform or um, uh, ecosystem. Uh, they're not always looking at it the right way. You might be, um, where are we staying? At the Hyatt Hotel. And they have all this data, but they don't really understand how to make it into a practical application that could make their business so much better. We did a whole digital... Uh, integration at the Cosmopolitan Hotel is an example, and that's using data a different way to really create that concierge that they've been talking about. And w it could be taken much further. But really, you go to a hotel, and there's, there's certain things that they do, and if you could make that an experience, that's what people are missing. It's at retail, it's all about the experience. At... Um, um, in terms of cyber, it's all about the experience. I'm one of the few people that have ever created um, a, uh, a house that's a connected house upstate New York, uh, about 120 miles from New York, that where I could actually, after having worked on IBM.com or Samsung.com or whatever, mm -hmm. Uh, understand that cyber and physical space are actually the same. And when you integrate data, it's just 
a great opportunity to put these things together in something that's useful. So in our space in New York, we're going to be really going after the data part, not against privacy, but against uh, how do we create an environment that makes it the best space for collaboration, where we started, and that actually takes um, with data to improve uh, the work that people are doing to make it much more effective and at the same time create an environment that's designed around retention, which will be the biggest part of the future. That's the part that we're working on with Siemens as an example. Maybe we we, uh, we switch over to RG. By the way, again. Gary's right across the street from us oh. in New York. Uh, he's exactly across the street. And I met him for the first time. I forgot where we were. It wasn't Can. Was it Can? Maybe. Maybe Can. So he's very often at the online uh, online marketing rockstars festival. He, so he's, he's. Yeah, I mean, he he's very different than I thought. Yeah. Maybe maybe I am a little bit too. I I don't know because I, but. He's, you know, I walked into his presentation. He knew who I was. I, I was just meeting him for the first time. It was not a. It was a, a theme for students, mm -hmm. and uh, at Can at the Can Academy. Okay. And he's amazing. Yeah, he's amazing. But yeah. but you're amazing as well, and you're you're a brand in your person. Um, and I think it's interesting to talk about about your brand a little bit. What do you think? How important is a a personal brand like you or like Gary Vaynerchuk? for the company, so. I think the thing that I realized about my brand, uh, not really focusing on my brand, is I don't care, I don't give a shit about legacy. That's smart. I really don't. So, you know, Ogilvy was very aware of this thing. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a different model. If I can be a brand of some sort that could help our company and other companies, including the industry, which I've done everything I can to uh, help influence our industry, the advertising, marketing, communications business, um, by the only thing that we have that's confidential is our client work. Otherwise, we take everything and put it out to the industry. They don't have to look at it. We're not capable of getting them to, to see that and cut through the hype uh, and all that stuff. But we put everything out there because I don't care about the competitive piece. I want to keep building what we're building, and I really don't care about the legacy, which I think hangs up a lot of people And then what they don't realize is that they are not Steve Jobs. And what's going to happen is six months after they kick the bucket, nobody's going to remember them anyway. <laughs> Why would they want to go after legacy? Yeah. I that's think, my point. I think that's a very, a very good recipe to create a, a, a collaborative You're not agency. shackled by that. Yeah, then. If you're not interested in what, what people think about your your part of it i think it's it's it's, it's, it's it helps. i know i discover your recipe very it's a good recipe good, yeah. but somebody has they have to give that up because 
I noticed it a long time ago, and I'll tell you this little story. <clears throat> I was going to give a speech with Jim Clark, and I told you about that, to 3,000 people in Tokyo for the Yamori Shimbam, or whatever the name of the paper is, the newspaper there. And I go there, and I'm flying. I'm sitting next to Mr. Morita, who founded Sony. And um, I talked to him about Glenn Gould because I'm nuts about Glenn Gould, the pianist. And he bought Columbia Records in order to have the whole uh, uh, legacy of uh, Glenn Gould. But nonetheless, um, which he does have a legacy, but nonetheless, I um, uh, went around in our company to millennials and I could walk around just like I could do here. Has anybody heard of Mr. Morita? No one. Wow. Think about that. Uh, that's, that's a and he designed truth. the Walkman. Yeah. Yep. So that's what I mean. That's <laughs> when I learned that. So before we, before we finish, maybe we, we, we talk a little bit about, about Germany. So you, yeah. you just um, hired one of the best guys in the industry, yeah. my friend Sasha. He's sitting next to me. And uh, when I read this first, I said, wow, what a cool combination. This guy and your company. So maybe you, you explain a little bit why, why Germany now and, and what's your perspective on our market? Well, we go into a new uh, company uh, within a new city uh, trying to first and foremost uh, utilize anything that's of value of RGA but making it unique to the location. So our Sapalo office is very Brazilian. We do not want it to be New York. So that's, that's one thing. And I was blown away, but now I'm realizing I should be more blown away by um, not Germany, which I'm aware of, but by um, uh, Berlin. Wow. <laughs> so this is not like anything else. So for me, you know, turning 70 next May, This is very exciting because that means I could really do what I was talking about, help with the uh, executives of RGA and the leadership to do something really special in Berlin. I could see how that could work out. It's a real innovation city at the right time, in the right place, yeah. with the right leadership. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you for coming. Thank you for sharing your time and your wisdom with us. Yeah. And I'm so happy and proud to meet you. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you for thinking of me. Buzz.